0: But I actually read her book. Okay, I'm not gonna oh lie God. You. I did not read her you're book. You're gonna I get me didn't listen <laughs> to her book. I'm gonna be <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but her Let's her, be
1: real. Let's be real.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's like a whole philosophy about how like <laughs> Hello, you're listening to 4 Micronesians by Micronations. and this is Angela. I am your host. I am a Micronation American daughter, sister, auntie social worker, podcast host, and <laughs> other things. <laughs> um, and today I have a guest on who I will let introduce um, themselves at this point. Go ahead.
1: Well, hello, hello, everyone. I'm, I'm Akian uh, Solo, uh, coming to you from Aloha, Oregon. I'm a husband, son, brother, uncle, foodie, Scorpio.
0: <laughs> I love it. And then I ask <laughs> everybody,
1: what type of Micronesian are you? So I am 100% Chukis.
0: Yay. And then you grew With up...
1: With a mix of, you know, others, yeah.
0: Okay. And then where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Chukis? Did you grow up in the U.S.?
1: I am stateside Islander. I grew up um, all over the West Coast. I was born in Reno, Nevada. Uh, we moved all over Southern California up to Washington. And now I'm here in Aloha, Oregon.
0: What's your favorite place
1: you've lived? Favorite place was San Diego. Because then, you know, uh, the beach was a hop, skip, a jump away. Yeah. So were the aunties and uncles. And then as kids, we always went to Disneyland, like,
0: right. at
1: least maybe twice a year. And that was like a religion. So you, I miss that.
0: You've lived in a lot of progressive places.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so for us, it was a lot of the places that we lived. So, for example, San Diego uh, was Predominantly, that was like a huge Chukis community at the time. Mm -hmm. It was between San Diego, Santa Barbara, and little pockets of LA. So we kind of moved where like family members were. Mm -hmm. And then then those family members kind of sprouted out. So like some would go find work in Seattle or some would find work in Kansas and then connect to the family in San Diego and fly them out. So it was kind of like a weird networking of getting from... Like chuk to Guam to Hawaii to the States. Yeah. You know, and then spreading out.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about moving again? Oh, no. <laughs> no. You never it is have. a
1: pain in the butt. Yeah, I'm good. We <laughs> got a house. We bought a house about five years ago and. Yeah, I, to even think about moving all the stuff we have, no, that I would feel bad for the movers or anyone.
0: <laughs> okay, I feel you. I have lived in my house for five years. I live in Michigan mm. Maine, and I want to move again. But my biggest stressor is that I am like, it has only been five years and I cannot believe how much.
1: When mm-hmm. I bought this
0: house, there was nothing, there was like barely anything <laughs> in this house. I do not understand how I've collected so many things in five years
1: right it's crazy and just to think about it like and this even think of like one room the, run one room the house I'm like uh no I mean just even trying to organize that so that's pretty much what I've been doing during the pandemic you would think that like I'm purging things of our house <laughs> and moving out but no it's just you're trying to be more minimalist and like more clean line but yeah it's a task it's it's not easy
0: Ooh, if you need to if you need to stay motivated just keep watching episodes of Marie Kondo's show from whose Marie Kondo? And um, she has that show on Netflix that's all about like minimalism and like if it sparks joy and <laughs> Marie Kondo. Kendo. Um, so it's K O N D O, I think. But K-O-N-D-O. I actually read her book. Okay, I'm not gonna oh, lie. God. I did not read her. You're book. gonna I get me. I'm gonna <laughs> listen to her book, I'm gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but her let's be
1: real let's be real
0: yeah yeah so it's like a whole philosophy about how like our mental health is actually better when we don't have all this like not just when we don't have clutter in our brain but when we don't have clutter in our real space so she it has like this whole book philosophy and now tv show on netflix that's about oh god like, minimalism and like the ways to clean out your life and like it has her like going to different people's houses and like helping them on this journey
1: mm, have you seen the home yeah. edit <laughs> no no you have to so the, it's, it's kind of the same mentality but the home edit is like this this two-team uh, partnership where they they've Organize like celebrities uh, like their high profile clients are like uh Reese Witherspoon is the reason why they're on Netflix is because she found them out and like Khloe Kardashian uses them and oh. they color they basically organize your life <gasps> by like visuals and colors and they're very OCD and it's just yeah for some reason it resonates with me it just appeals to my Obsessive compulsive disorder.
0: Okay, when this is over, I will I will text you the name of the thing I said. You will text me the name of the thing you said, and we will both watch. Okay. Episodes. Because okay, I'm that, writing it. I'm writing
1: a note. Yeah. Home edit.
0: My friend Elizabeth, she actually at one point was like, "Girl, I want to start a closet organization business. Do you think that mm. there is a market in this?" And I'm yes. like, "Yes, yeah." But when you're yeah, this, surprisingly like, yes, there, there is. is. Wow. Yeah.
1: It's weird that there is a business for it, and I'm like. Yeah, you realize that there's something for even uh, your your idiosyncrasies or your quirks. There's a job for it. I'm like, okay. I
0: you know, it. the world
1: is not as bad as it is. So it's yes. weird. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. But yeah, she. I did. I let her come over to my house and she, like, organized my closet for free. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. oh. And she even, like, brought special hangers that are, like, velvet for me because she's and my hangers were trash. <laughs> so like,
1: okay. Oh, my God. So now
0: I got the hookup. But yeah, jealous, we jealous. all need a friend that does these things for us. Okay, uh, I'll keep moving. I'll keep moving. Um, what is your favorite Micronesian food?
1: So, mm, God, that's a good question. The first thing that comes to mind, like like salivating to the tongue, is like my uh, aunties and my mom used to make these like chukis donuts, mm. and they're just they're just super simple. They're fried like dough. But it's something about the way that they crisp them, and it's, like, out of love. That always is something. That's always a memory, and any time, like, even to this day, like, I'm, what, 39, and Mm -hmm. I'll go to my auntie's, and if it's freshly baked, they're like, you know what, I made those donuts for you, that kind of thing, like, that kind of love. Yes! And they know that I'll eat them all, like, I'll (laughs) take bags and bags of them. They know I'll eat them. That and my auntie's uh, chicken keleguin, like,
0: I don't know what that it's is it's just
1: chicken keleguin it's basically like red pepper spice and marinated chicken um with like vegetables that are stir fried and whatever that
0: sounds the good. way
1: she makes it the way she makes it like it's on par like no one else she makes it so spicy too it's
0: so good oh I love spicy food I love that you no one else has done this but I love that you didn't just talk about like the food but you talked about like how it makes you feel because i think like in that like I, I don't know i think that might be like people with food addictions probably resonates with them but like i think no. that really <laughs> is why like as a society we love food so much it's because like, yeah it, it i mean it's feel things
1: mm-hmm. it's you know it makes a difference too like um i could you could put two plates side to side of chicken kellywood and i can tell you for for sure just on the flavor the texture the way it was made or whatever, that it's my aunties. Like, Like it's very specific. Yeah, it's a very specific um, cerebral experience. I love
0: that. Okay, and then what is your favorite Micronesian superstition or tradition? There's so many, I know.
1: So, I know as a kid, like, I was told never to clean or sweep at night.
0: Yeah.
1: And never to play my music. Like, um, like so, I remember, yeah, like, I remember having, like, my headphones in And my mom would be like, you better not be listening to music. You better be, you know, reading or studying. Because education was strongly enforced in our household. Mm -hmm. But never, like, there was never a follow through. It was just like, the assumption is, you just don't clean. You don't do chores at night. You know, you have to study. And that's what we just weren't used to. We just thought, you know, that's what you did. And then you'd go over to, like, your cousin's house. And they'd be scolded and told the exact reason why. And I'd be like mom dad did you know so and so said this this is the reason why we don't sweep you know uh, dust at night or clean or and they're like who told you that and you know it's like why why even like skirt around the issue just be up front and tell me I don't I don't know why that was an issue but I remember as a kid like do not clean do not do chores um no music uh no music when you're sleeping because it something about like sound waves or devil's uh, talking to you through your ear or something like that. Like as a kid, it was these little things that I think that my parents did to like f- kind of scare us, but not. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No. And whereas, like, whereas, like, my cousins, they, they.
1: Yeah. Whereas my my cousins, it was like harped into them, like this is the reason why. Da 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 da. They, you know, and I I never got that from my parents, but I think it was more of like a protective mechanism on their end, as opposed oh. to like. I don't know. Like, I, you know, I, I never actually had to sit down with my dad, but they're just not, like, overbearing parents. They but, just wanted, you know, the best for us.
0: See, we were told, too, like, we were told, like, um, because I think kids do that. Like, when they're really young, they're always like, why, why, why? And, like, mm-hmm. we yeah. were told, like, yeah, like, it wakes up the ghosts. That's <laughs> what we're told. I, yeah,
1: no, there was always about spirits. Something always about spirits. You never always. wanted to anger of spirit or the energy is you know and even though you can't see it you can feel it and I'm like right. I could never feel it you know and growing up I always had that sixth sense or acceptance of like spiritual energy but not as much until my mom passed that oh. I it, it came into like stronghold where I'm I have more of a spiritual connection or uh, willingness to you know acknowledge that and it kind of goes deep as far as like wanting to know more about my ancestral background and, and, you know, kind of puzzling the pieces of why, you know, why did we move, you know, from here to here? Was it, was it really because of dad's work or uh, was it because of toxicity in the family or because, you know, there are some in the community that can or are toxic. Yeah. Um, and so I think that just comes full circle of like trying to like answer the big question marks.
0: The first one of the big questions that I have for you today is, um, so I'll kind of preface what an affinity is because I don't know if I re- everybody would know that term. But an affinity or affinity group is basically um, like a group you belong to based on your mm-hmm. social identity. Um, so, like for me, some of the affinity groups that I work are that I work for, <laughs> so some of the affinity groups that I <laughs> identify with are like Micronesian, Micronesian American, mixed race. Um, woman of color, feminist, you know what I mean? Like there's all these affinity groups that I, I identify with. What are some of the affinity groups that you would say that you belong to?
1: So I would say, obviously, Micronesian, Chukis, um, LGBTQ+, plus, uh, Gay API. Pretty much that would cover the basis is, is anything that has to do with gay islanders.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to do like more episodes on anything that is like LGBTQ plus, but I really do want to do like more series. And I'll just repeat this to you, but you and I were saying mm. that ahead of time. But I'll repeat it for everybody to hear. But like, um, I want to do more series on identities, um, because okay. I think there's so many faces in the Micronesian community. And we are one culture, but we also have so much diversity within our culture and i mm-hmm. I really want people to hear voices like yours of or voices like mine, where like we have these different identities, but like we can share them with people, and when people hear us on the podcast, like there's younger people who are still figuring out who they are and they're trying to figure out what their identity is and they can hear these like stories and our voices, and they can say, "Oh my god, like I." this person knows what I'm going through and it can empower them to just be themselves. I really did want to just like give you the floor to share like your journey through life and kind of how you've um, found some of these identities or how you've, you know, figured out like who you are and, you know, yeah, anything yeah. that can really like provide insight for younger people when they hear it too.
1: Yeah. So I think like, if I think back um, to like, when I was in second grade, I remember there's this picture that my mom took uh, waiting at the bus stop with, like, this school friend, this blonde kid. I remember specifically, like, what he was wearing and his hair, the way it was cut. And I thought he was, like, cool. And I don't know if it was because he was white or, I don't know, like, it just something caught my interest. And we became instant friends. And I don't know if it was mm-hmm. because we were at the same bus stop or, or what have you. And I just remember as a kid, like, always... Like giving a double take or look at like the other boys, or and mm. then a, and then it led up to like middle school when I noticed like I was noticing them more and they were probably noticing that I was noticing. So then it became like a double agent scenario where like you do a triple look, you know, you double look yeah. at if you like them, but then you look back <laughs> and make sure they didn't look at you, and
0: and oh, then yeah, you're for sure.
1: you're putting on this facade. And I th- always gravitated towards like white boys and it was never like i never looked at brown boys or black guys or or you know like it i don't know why like it was always a affinity for that and Mm -hmm. or i guess an attainment because of and i think this like resonates within our culture is trying to appease i guess i don't i don't know if this sounds right to say but appease the white man or appease the the oppressor or or i don't know what it is but there was always that attraction like i remember it as a kid being having this attraction to like Rambo and uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, like the super uber masculine, I guess, opposition of me, you know, mm-hmm. at that time, cause I was a super flamboyant kid. I did, you know, my parents put me in some dance classes and which was awesome that, I mean, reflecting back, that was awesome. Then I thought it was a burden. I thought it was a, t- a a burden on the family. I thought it was a burden financially. I thought it was mm. uh, a burden on my time because at the time I wasn't interested in it. I, d- I just happened to do, you know, um, my mom would play music or my dad would play music and I would just dance. And so yeah. they thought to put that into something creative. And so I was fortunate to have that. It didn't last long because I I'd lost interest, but um, I think it's important to say this because I don't think a lot of marginalized communities or families think of that option for their kids when they see them thriving in something to, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, foster that knowledge or that foster that uh, creativity. I think, I guess uh, speaking for me, like my family, that was just one little small outlet where they really wanted us to focus on school. The focus always went to school. So, um, and, and, and if we didn't, as long as we graduated, that's what, like, that's the little, I guess, minimal thing that my dad wanted. He's yeah. like, as long as you guys graduate then I'm happy, you know, you can do whatever you want as long as you're, you know, our, our mentality or mantra was if you're not in school, you're working, you know, that's mm-hmm. how we were raised. So with that, it was, um, it carried all the way into high school. And as far as like being that triple agent um, and I remember in high school, I think I was only bullied maybe, my f- like freshman, sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I, th- I spoke back. Um, I would think of like my aunties because they're from Dublin. Mm-hmm. They don't F around. And I remember, <laughs> right? and I, I, I for some reason I channeled that. And I think that's also another thing too, for me is I've always um, taken the women in my, in my life more, close to heart than the men, if that makes sense.
0: Okay, yeah. So,
1: okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, I remember, like, I think it was end of my sophomore year, junior year, um, I started seeing people picking on, you know, gay guys or, or people that, what would you call them, the um, the offbeats or something like that. They, you know, I, I just felt the need to speak up for them. And I wasn't like that growing up. Like, in middle school, I was the bully. To be quite honest. Oh. I was I was the bully. If I thought you were effeminate or what they call uh Ne in Chookies, I, mm-hmm. you know because it's so
0: interesting.
1: Which is weird because, you know, now that we talk back to that uh that kid remember at second grade, I remember having a glimpse of um living in San Diego and having some gay uncles, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they were super feminine. And I remember Hearing aunties and uncles talking smack about them, you know, just two feet away.
0: Oh. And
1: and it's and the thing is, I don't necessarily understand Chukis. I can't really fluently speak it, but you mm-hmm. can hear a tone. When you hear that yeah. tone, and that side eye, and I'm like, so I remember that as a kid. It was like, don't be like Uncle So and So, you know, um, be the ext- the extreme opposite. And I think that's the reason why to, now that I'm talking to you about this is my attraction to like freaking Rambo
0: like
1: mm. in it was like you got to be attracted to that that's a man um oh. so then growing through high school it was I think up until my senior year as soon as I got that graduation cap I was like peace out um <laughs> and then uh, that was the time I came out at the time like uh that last month of school I was like oh well, yeah everyone I'm bi and they didn't really care they were just like whatever and then um I think it it mattered to me once I got to college because I could, it was for so long being that triple agent, it was Mm -hmm. so exhausting um, that I literally would hang out in my dorm and just like turn the lights off and just have a little uh, flashlight and just study and just be like a hermit. Um, So it kind of got a little depressing. Um, Mm. And then it just got to the point where I, uh, I think it was Easter I want to say 2002 I was supposed to come down from Seattle to um, Vancouver for Easter with my family mm-hmm. and I just don't know what what it was I was like I couldn't get transportation down I couldn't I, I could have I just didn't make the effort like something was holding me back yeah and then I just plopped my ass right down in front of my computer and just started typing away like I was typing you know a, a, a paper for school and it was my coming out letter to my parents
0: Wow. And
1: I remember that like Easter always hits and it always like it's like that um that boomerang, you know, it comes back every Easter it hits so hard. I remember getting the text from my brother and sister. They were like, Well duh, we already knew. Um my dad was like, you know, I still love you. My mom it hit the hardest cause she like I think they all knew. Okay. Well, I mean, my parents knew. I mean, putting me in dance class like at eight years old. They knew, but it was such a guarded secret or it felt like a guarded secret until I finally came out. And then my mom was like, I'd rather if you, you know, drove down here and told me that to my face instead of via email. So we had this long conversation over the phone. She was crying hysterically and, and, you know, I was too. And it got to the point where we were like, what's, what are you crying about? Yeah. And the words from her were I worry about the world around you you know
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: told her I said you don't have to because I fled the coop <laughs> I went out into the world I went out the big city to experience it for myself you know and yeah that's the reason why I came forward because I had the confidence because I was already out in the world and and I told her like you can't shield me any longer you can't it's just not fair and yeah
0: that's so beautiful she, though
1: And then the family events just got more, what's the word, like um, more inclusive. And it's just like that whole wall was like broken down from me coming out and being my true self. So I think that's the important takeaway from this is that when in your true skin, when in your true self, when you speak your truth, it is so freaking liberating Mm. Um, to the point where I'm like, I'm freaking married now. I've been with my partner for what almost 15 years and he has a better relationship with my siblings than I do, <laughs> and 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 my freaking dad. My dad loves him, and I'm like, well, I love it. you know, this is freaking crazy. It's like a, a twilight zone. But it, you know, in the worst case scenario, I'm actually good. I'm set. I'm happy, and I think what you're doing with this podcast, it's uh, and the reason why it resonated with me in that in that post that you sent was, I can actually now pay it forward. You know. Yeah. Whereas I don't think I had the confidence or the outlet or the tribe beforehand. So praise to you like this. Thank you for this opportunity.
0: Ah, I love that you even said like, it just felt kismet. Cause like, I, you know what I mean? Like I come up, the, up with like these ideas of like, I want to do this or I want to do mm. this. And like mm-hmm. the reality of it is like, I can have a million ideas, but unless I have someone reach out and say that they're interested in like joining this <laughs> this journey with me like it's not gonna happen and like especially when it comes to like a coming out story or like i mean yeah sure like i could do whatever i want i'm being an ally but like it it's not going to really speak to like i said like i want people to hear this who like when they hear you specifically who is a member of this community and also a member of the micronesian community like, mm-hmm. I want, like, a little Micronesian young man or young woman or young person to just, like, hear this and, like, it means more coming from you than just coming from someone who's, like, an ally of the community. You know what I mean? Right?
1: Yeah. I think so, something else I forgot for to mention, too. A lot. Yeah. Well, um, I forgot to mention. So, <laughs> this is a sidebar. Yeah. Um, when I was at UW, they had uh, – so, I was a part of the um, – Asian Student Alliance, uh, the Pacific Islander Student Commission, uh, the Micronesian Islands Club. So shout out to them. Yeah, I was heavily involved in those organizations. And so the cool thing about that was that we got to do outreach to the Micronesian community, the um, Chamorro community, uh, the Pacific Islander community in Seattle. And we did a, a, a conference for the youth, the high school youth. And that was fun. And that also was an opportunity back then for me to voice because they'd never heard. I was the first Chookies at the university. Um, I can't guess, I guess, honestly ever. I think they've never had a Chookies at the time. Oh, cool. um, yeah. So it was, you know, it was cool. It's cool now. Then it was, it was very intimidating
0: like because
1: uh, I would always stress to them that you have to understand I'm stateside Islander. That's a thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm just learning the culture just as you guys are. I'm like an open book. Um, you know, I know of some things, but mostly the bad things about the Chukis culture that I don't want to perpetuate. Um, but then they had this talent show, you know, for the students and I did drag and that was so freaking liberating just to like have them see not only a Chukis, but I, and I didn't care if it made us look bad or made me look bad as a Chukis guy in drag. Uh, it was more entertaining. And then they had, um, for, I think it was API month that year, they had Poly Day. And that was, like, May 2004 or 5, I want to say. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: my family had come up. Like, we. I got them a whole table. We got, you know, tickets sold. And um, they didn't know I was going to do what they had. Well, they called Miss Chamorita or the Chamorro Drag Show. Yeah. They didn't know that I was going to perform. Ah. And...
0: So they saw so that when
1: they got there. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I think it was a J Lo. Let's get loud.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my God, was it so liberate? My my aunties came up like screaming. They're like, Oh my God, <laughs> that's my tito. <laughs> and it, yeah, I I wish I still had pictures, but I was a hot mess. I mean, I was like a <laughs> I was a fetus in drag. Uh, Let's put so that funny. way. But it was like the look on my mom's face, she was like, This is what you're meant to do. Not necessarily drag, but it was um like entertaining or party, yes. you know, like life with a party. And she was like, This is what happened when you were a kid, you know, I was two years old, but she would play music and, you know, I'd be bopping back and forth and
0: mm-hmm.
1: or I'd be crying. I remember I was a kid, I'd cry or she'd take me to the babysitter. And I'd either fall asleep immediately when she would leave me or cry and either her or the babysitter play music and I would just, it, you know, happy face, happy vibes.
0: Classes. Yeah.
1: So yeah, they really I, I guess. really
0: want to like nourish that, you know, like that need to perform in you, like even at a young age, that's so Which is weird.
1: Yeah. It comes full circle, but yeah, I just had to mention that, that, that moment doing that drag performance of that song, my idol, <laughs> by the oh way, it, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's very surreal.
0: So like, I don't, I don't know that, like, Micronesians, I don't know, because there's so many of our islands, and we all have very similar culture and very different cultures in some ways, but, like, I know, like, in Punpei, like, on, in New Year's, like, Mm. every, not everybody, but a lot of people dress in drag. Okay. I don't know that there would ever be, like, a, a scenario where people wouldn't celebrate it. I would hope not. But I'm thinking about that now. Do you guys do that? Do you know, like, if any Chukis do that? Like, any, like, like big holidays that people dress in drag like it's like a big thing and no i'm, in I'm our village.
1: <laughs> yeah i'm like my mind's blown i'm like that is cool i wish i was put a pain
0: <laughs> interesting yeah come come to it's a in our village and one we'll looks like in there it's it's not huh. very good drag it's very like what you find around the house drag. yeah
1: but still i mean it's, it's i mean well it's edited. better than nothing <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's some decent level of representation, but I think it's a more important to, and I think that I speak from my experience, I didn't have those outlets as a kid. I had to, like, yeah. search for them, and, and it goes back to that triple agent thing. It was like, if I started Gay Straight Alliance, people might think I'm gay. Like, you have to be that triple agent, so don't yeah. join that club. Join something else, you know? It was so conscientiously on the forefront of my mind to like be aware of my affiliations, my associations. And that was yeah. not fair and that's not right. But had I had the uh outlets, I think I would have I'm pretty sure I would have been more um forthcoming or open to people around me, experiences around me, and not so sheltered and like tunnel vision. Cause mm-hmm. keep in mind when I was in school, like, like again, my parents they always said that you know education, they always put that forward.
0: Yeah. I was just
1: focused on on college. Like from my freshman year to high to senior year, I was focused on just going to UW and getting the hell out of Lakewood or stockholm
0: Yeah. You know, I and, I'm the same way. I was always thinking yeah. about college when I was in Yeah,
1: college. I and I was just like, I gotta get out of here and and, and, and be around like minded individuals, if that makes sense. Like I felt mm-hmm. like in my town they weren't. And,
0: and, and it just kind of shows like this bigger Thing that like there's always that um, desire for us to fit in, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. not really feeling you can be yourself because you have to fit in, but also wanting to get out because you want to still fit in, but you want to you want the people in the world to fit into what you really are and what your truth is. Exactly.
1: And the weird thing was, I always like again, it comes down to education. Like I kept my nose in the books, and so Mm -hmm. there was some time. I mean, there were times in school where I would just like read books about like culture, or imperialism, or
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it just whatever it was I was interested in and just get into it and utilize that. Like I firmly believe in knowledge is power. And so I would use those like, you know, those um, useless facts as kind yeah. of like my short sword and shield when in arguments with so-and-so mm-hmm. to make me, it, it was to, I don't know, guess boost my ego. To make me feel smarter than mm. them, I don't know. It was just something that resonated, and I think it was be- it was more of a protection mechanism because um, when I was growing up, you were associated that if you were a certain shade of brown, you were dirty or or poor, and
0: mm.
1: and so I kind of had to like rise above that and be like, no, I'm even if I was poor, or at least I didn't think I was, you know. Um, I have a brain, but you don't know that,
0: Right. <laughs> you know, because yeah.
1: you just wrote me off for my skin tone and the clothes I was wearing. So,
0: mm.
1: I mean, it, that carried all the way up until high school.
0: So in love with the fact that you found love. How did you meet your partner? <laughs> I need to
1: know. <sighs> okay. So I guess I would say the same to you as I t- said to everyone else. Like I stalked him. <laughs> 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 I stalked him. I stalked him on a dating site. I was like I saw this picture I'm like oh my god and then I read the profile I'm like oh he's smart too and I was like to me that's the thing like the brain is the sexiest organ in the world like in the person body like there's a
0: word for that right like a something sexual
1: yeah I don't know what it is but I know that is how I feel and yes and I can tell you this um if ever he gets on wheel of fortune we will be millionaires
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah his, his oh brain
1: just God. works that way like it's more the logical analytical i guess or logical okay. and i'm analytical so yeah. it's and it just
0: it works
1: it's yeah it's the opposite to track kind of thing like but yeah so i i, I stalked him and then um <laughs> stalked him on the dating site and then as soon as we met it was like we were side by side for like five days straight like we went on a date Aww. and then it was, it was like, yeah, it was super fast, like crazy love. Yeah. Um, and then our, as far as a proposal story, when we were dating, he never knew anything about football. Like he watched it, but he was an avid fan. Like my family is hardcore. We're hardcore Aww. University of Washington Huskies and Seattle Seahawks fans. So when we started dating, Oh, God, it was around September. So, yeah, it was about the football season starting. He saw a different side of me. He saw the competitive, (laughs) like, screaming, like, Hulk, like we call it Hulking Out. He's like, Yeah, Yeah. you hulked out. Like, and we were just sitting there, just watching TV. And then it happened once. And then it happened the second, the next week. And then it happened the next week after that. So, then after I think the third or fourth week, he was like, Okay, you're really into this. And, He's, this
0: is a part of who you are. <laughs> yeah,
1: so then he started picking up. He started watching it. And then it became our it. thing. And then it became like we started going to football games. We started doing um, uh, tailgates. And he was getting really into oh. it. So we now it's become our thing. We have Super I Bowl parties. That. We have tailgate parties. Um, and then what was it? Uh, the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl. So when we had that party at our house... I had to look around for a ring. Well, because keep in mind, I told him I would get married to him. I would propose if the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. So keep in mind when I said that, I thought I was buying myself another five or ten years. I (laughs) wasn't. I was not. I was seriously. I was thinking, oh, you know, I got five years. No, it happened like two or three years after that, like the next year. Like I was like, oh, shit. So. Then it came to the, like, numbers, like, dates and picking out dates. And I'm like, how about we just get married um, the day before our 10-year, our 10-year anniversary, uh, which is uh, Labor Day weekend. So we did that. We did, had a, a wedding on the beach uh, on mm-hmm. Oregon Coast. It was freaking amazing. It was a, an awesome, awesome party everyone keeps talking about it to this day. And I, yes. and I think it's because they, uh, everyone we had there, we all oh. loved. They loved us. And... For us to be like the yeah. example of good, true love. You know, to yeah. share that with, with everyone. Uh, I think that speaks volumes. And it was really important to have my dad there and and my my side of the family. Yeah. Um, for them to see, like, you know, happy, gay, Chucky's brother, uncle, gunkle, whatever. Um, that he's happy. And then that was that was really important to me. And I think it's important for me to mention this in this podcast that, you know um, to attain, uh, happiness and, um, joy. It's, it's attainable. I think that people need to realize that and, and hear other individuals who, um, who have taken that, God, what is it? The, the torch. And I want to pass it yeah. off, you know, that kind of energy.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think that that is a beautiful place to wrap up even. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I always ask people, is there a, anything that you think, like, that people have to know about any books that you've read movies you've watched podcasts you've listened to anything you're like people have got to get on this train like anything you'd recommend
1: you know it's funny this is actually the first podcast I've ever listened to (gasps) Yay! like (laughs) and I was telling my husband last night I was like uh I need to get more into podcasts
0: (laughs) oh my god I'm addicted to so many podcasts you should listen to I know this is like I'm gonna recommend it you should listen to best friends with Nicole Byer best
1: friends yeah
0: so okay. it's literally just, like, these two girls that are best friends. <laughs> That's all it is. But, well, what about, like, anything else you'd recommend to people? Anything, or, like, any shows that you've been streaming and binging or anything like that?
1: You know, I binge a lot. Like, I'm a hardcore uh, reality TV <laughs> junkie. Like, I'm all about the Real Housewives, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, like, Basketball Housewives. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm hardcore junkie. You
0: are here for it. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I just would recommend whatever whatever uh, tweaks your interest. Like there's a, a show for it. Like I don't know. I'm, I'm just a hardcore junkie. I
0: love that. <laughs> okay. And then I always, I always want people to know, I don't know if you're interested in being found, but if you are, do you have any handles you would want to share? Like an Instagram name, a Twitter name, account, anything like that?
1: You know, I'm normally a private person, but I think after doing this, I'm like, if you want to look me up, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's Makayan Selim, all one word, M I K I A N S E L L E M. Like, if you want to reach out, like, if this reach resonates with someone and if they want to reach out to me, I'm all for it because you am going to pay it forward, you know?
0: Well, I will let you go for the night, but what I will do is. This will drop in May, okay. I think. It'll be the very beginning, which is awesome. I know. I, I think you'll be like towards the beginning of Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Yep. So, hey. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, whenever it'll drop, um, I will post it and I will share it with you. And I'll probably tag you on the Instagram page, too. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you have a good day.
1: You too, Angela. Take
0: care. You too. <laughs> Bye. This was another episode of 4 Micronesians by Micronesians. Thank you for listening. 4 Micronesians by Micronesians is an anchor production hosted, produced, and edited by me, Angela Edward. You can learn more about me at angelaedward.com and more about the podcast on the 4 Micronesians by Micronesians Instagram page. If you have questions, inquiries, or recommendations for future topics or guests, please DM them into the Instagram page. I do want to recognize that I created this podcast in the home that I've settled in that colonists coined as Jackson, Michigan in the United States. This land is the land that originally was founded by the Potawatomi tribe that lived around what we now know as the Great Lakes. The Potawatomi tribe taught their children about the seven grandfathers' teachings of wisdom, respect, love, honesty, humility, bravery, and truth. And as kindred indigenous people, I want to honor their tribe and their respect for their ancestors by recognizing my gratitude for their space. All my Micronesian listeners and ally listeners, thank you again for listening. And don't forget your self-care.